Live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet on Strutley! What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. We're coming to you live from 14 stories up above Glasgow and today we are in an excellent mood today because guess who's back it's me fresh from the lake of reincarnation in uniondale new york i am your host this week the king of kayfabe the modern day maharaja david hockney now why don't we introduce us to some lovely panelists so up first uh to my left is a man who twice in a lifetime is the best accurate representation of his dating life it's the people's chump the set piece king ross mcleod ross how are you David, do not unleash me on you. Quacky old Hey, I've been away for three... No, no, no. You've been away for three weeks and I've bottled a lot of things up. I'm so, so have I. I've bottled a lot of things up as well, so... This is, you uh, your dirty life. this is the retribution from when I was basically brutally, like, annihilated on the WrestleMania review weekend show. But anyway, good to have you on board, Ross. All right, man. And next to him, we have somebody who has basically become Sasha Banks 2.0. It's the bath bomb princess, Sarah Greve. Oh, I did not become Sasha Banks. Yeah, you did. Your hair's purple now. It doesn't matter. I'm a blueberry. Blackberry. I'm Rabina. Well, it looks nice. You've got your Undisputed Era shirt on. I think it's safe to say you're in the mood for some... for some wrestling talk. As long as you don't call me Sasha Banks again, I'm fine. I won't. We'll just stick to Sarah. There you go. Okay. And finally... It was him, Austin. It was him all along, Austin. <laughs> it's Eat Sleep Suplex retweets higher power. It's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Can I ask, what did you do to Dave? I mean, <laughs> this is not Dave. It is Dave. Like David, said, da- David Hockney, for people who know him, is not this sharp. Well, Body like snatchers. I, like I said, I've come from the Lake of Reincarnation, so I'm in a... The River Clyde. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the River Clyde's no in Uniondale, is it? How do you know? <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Alright, and of course we can't forget our beloved MVEP, it's Mr. Kwaku Ajay, the man behind the decks. What's Good up, to see what's you, up? sir. You in the mood for some wrestling chat? Have you missed me? Eh, <laughs> uh, I played the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, now, peeps, why don't we start off today... <laughs> <laughs> what? And he's back! <laughs> <laughs> what, what'd I do? Oh my god. moving Just swiftly on. Alright, uh, back to you, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now, um, guys, I believe it was Eric Bischoff that once said, controversy creates cash. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. There have been a ton of controversial storylines throughout history in the world of wrestling. You know, whether it could be maybe a, a modern day topic that, you know, gets influenced into a storyline. of an art, A topic which has two sides of the debate, both may not be right or wrong, depending on the scenario. And there are some that have just really made a lot of viewers uncomfortable. So, I'm going to start you off uh, by saying controversy creates cash. Is there merit to that statement? Uh, Ross, shall I, I'll start with you. Uh, I think the, the exception to that rule is the WrestleMania 7 main event, the Gulf War angle. Oh, yeah. Like, WWE were running 
WWE were running in an arena that held 93,000 and due to backlash for the poor taste storyline, you know, exploiting the Gulf War. I'll wait to use a finished talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were uh, they were exploiting the Gulf War at the time. Uh-huh, yeah. Sergeant Slaughter was the Iraqi sympathiser. They were at the Memorial Coliseum that held 93,000 and the angle was in that poor taste that the lowest sponsors they had to move to arena that holds 16,500. You know, that's... It's not a WrestleMania venue, that's an average episode of Raw right now. Yeah, it's just like a standard sort of house show yeah, arena, and, isn't it? And, you know, that lost them millions, so that's really the exception to the rule, I think, you know. Mm. If you're if you're going that controversial, you, you've got to risk losing a lot of money. Yeah, you're throwing in a good example right there, you know, like, having moved to a smaller venue just because uh, an angle was uh, took in bad taste to a lot of people, especially around quite a, a sensitive time of the Gulf War. That's, uh, no, that's a good example to start us off. Uh, Sarah, do you think controversy creates cash? Well, I don't disagree with the comment. Like, see if it's just like any other soap opera that you've got on TV. Controversy gets people talking. Mm -hmm. Talking gets people interested. And talking gets people more invested into the brand. Obviously, they're going to start tuning in to find out what's been going on, what's going to happen, and actually maybe watch back to see how it all started as well. So there's good sides and bad sides. Obviously, you've got like Ross's example, which is obviously where it could all go wrong. But then there's been loads of things like, oh, have you seen what's been happening in the WWE recently? No. Give it a watch. Mm. And it, was, it gets people tuned in, so... Yeah, I mean, if it gets people talking, whether it gets a positive or negative reaction, I mean, that's kind of a good thing, because it means people are tuning into the product, and hence, it creates cash. It creates TV revenue for them. So, yeah, I think there's a... I think as long as it provokes a reaction, you know, no matter what the, the subject is. Stephen, do you... Um, would you think that's a, a fair comment? You know... If, any reactions better than no reaction? Uh, in a way, it depends. You know, I think the whole controversy create cash thing, it kind of needs to have a balance. There's some points, as Ross said, they can take it too far, but there's some points that they don't take it far enough and nobody really has any interest in the product. I mean, one of the best examples currently going on is the continued push of Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to a point now that people are walking out of arenas. So that's just went too far and it's going to end up losing WWE money if you keep going with it. But you do get ones that kind of do the job uh, the one with, uh, we'll probably talk about a few in the show but one with Brian Pillman and Steve Austin back in 1996 is a, is a great one yeah you can still talk about that it that was my one you can still talk about <laughs> it yeah we've got lots to talk yeah we've got lots to talk about Sarah coming said up. that's my one Sarah sent me a list of what she's got down for the show <laughs> we'll not get to all Sarah's ones she's got about 50 well, it's good to see you've all done your homework at least, so we'll be discussing some of these uh, controversial storylines a little bit later on. Uh, but if you want to tune into the chat, be sure to follow us on Twitter at SuplexRetweet and also on Facebook and Instagram. So lots of media outlets to to follow us on. And be sure, if you're listening live, to tune into FusionTakeoverRadio.com. We're on until 7pm. Now, uh, Quacker, <laughs> uh, Quack, we're not going to leave you out of the conversation here. Do you think uh, do you think it's fair to say controversy creates cash? Right, first thing, FusionTakeover.com. That's it. Okay. Also, if people are listening now, they are already on that website. Yes. <laughs> well, if, well done. if you're listening now and your friends aren't, spread the word to them. Tell them to listen in too. Clearly, the Lake of Reincarnation wasn't deep enough. <laughs> so. The Lake of Reincarnation had its limits. He went to the shallow end. Ooh, no, no a kiddie pool. He has Gulak, no diving allowed, I suppose. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bravo. I'll give you props. That was a good one. No problem. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah so Kwaku, do you think. Controversy is a good thing. Uh, yes, as long as it's not taken too far. Like you, it's all about knowing your audience. Basically, mm-hmm. that's a key thing. Yeah, that's um, what we'll that's what we'll come on to next. So, uh, but just one other question I'd like to sort of uh, add to that. 
you know, because we've uh, we've talked a lot about WWE having a lot of controversial storylines amongst other promotions, but it seems to have it always seems to be the the focal point for any controversial topic, whether it be in the ring or outside the ring, whether it's from a, a branding perspective or whether it's from a, a storyline angle. Uh, but in for about ten years now, the WWE has become uh, a family friendly sort of PG product. And a lot of people think, you know, a lot of the the must-watch C stuff, you know, the very edgy, controversial type stuff, has sort of died down a bit. Uh, obviously, doing to cater to sort of younger families with kids and stuff. Do you think um, WWE being an entire family-friendly product actually hinders it a bit, or do you think it needs a little bit of controversy to sort of boost ratings to an extent? Uh, Ross, any thoughts on that? I think you need to find a balance because although controversy is what draws adult viewers in. It's more the fact that, you know, example, if you go to a WWE show, you might buy a t-shirt. And an adult with kids goes, has to buy one of them a t-shirt, so he has to buy the other one a t-shirt, and they need to buy a program, and they need to buy all the, you know, the drinks for the venue, you know. Once you get the kids, you get the parents too. That was Triple H's saying. And I don't think you can survive with too much of either one. You need to Mm -hmm. find a balance. I think that sort of brings up another point right there now that you've mentioned it. What um, topics do you think you could really, what sort of controversial topics do you think you could really sort of talk to, to kids about, you know, teach it in a good way? You know, Sarah, Stephen, do you guys think there's any topics that, you know, can be considered kid-friendly? In terms of controversy? Yeah, it's something that could be looked at from different perspectives and cause a bit of controversy. Uh, it depends, you know, it is quite a hard one to get a balance of because if you go too, again, if you go too controversial, you yeah. risk uh, offending all these uh, these groups that are going about, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can probably have some ones, that not ones, uh, I think the, was it the Piggy James angle? You mm-hmm. can probably work with that one, I would say, but the likes of, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to really say it in case I still want to say there's other ideas <laughs> which is highly likely given the list Ross has described uh, so, if, you, if you use our entire list you know you're probably going to pick something but it's like the list of Jericho <laughs> no it's like the list of 1004 holes as <laughs> 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 uh, well I forgot my point now because I just thought of the list of them. <laughs> sorry Steve continue too much of the list yes but yeah it, it, you, you, yeah, can get, you, you can do it but you Again, it's all about the balance. Uh-huh. And Ross is spot on with the yeah. balance idea. And one of the uh, the sort of key branding points of WWE is uh, like their anti-bullying campaign, which in itself is quite a controversial issue. Like you mentioned the Piggy James angle with uh, the fat shaming and stuff. Mm. Uh, I think one of the other uh, topics as well, like uh, they also had the LGBT stuff, like Finn Balor's sort of heavily promoting that in his, his gear and his promos and stuff. Uh, but just going back to sort of be a star for a minute, do you think that um, it's a bit of a mixed message considering the fact that you know, they're advertising a, a campaign that encourages people not to bully, yet in their product, they do, they do, kind of do it anyway? I think that's sort of, like, like I'll give you an example of a TV show like Arrow or Flash or something like that, a superhero show where yeah. there's people fighting. But outside of that show, you've got these people, you know, working for charities, you know, you've got the bad guys working, you know, for, for cancer research charities, you know, they, they separate the person and the actor. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what people need to realise with WWE yeah we're doing Be A Star but it's you know it's not Titus O'Neil the wrestler going there it's Titus O'Neil you know the the, act, the, the guy the, human, the, the guy who has two kids yeah. and wants you know wants them to grow up in a better world you know, and did an epic slide at the greatest world yes, rumble <laughs> Titus world slide <laughs> Titus world slide <laughs> the man's doing charity work and we're slagging him for fun I know. <laughs> 
I mean, Ross, the best example you actually made about that was uh, Stephanie McMahon's the one that always gets brought up because she's yeah. always the one that's very much the, the forefront of that one, and yeah. yet the next she'll do that on a Sunday and the next night on Raw she'll be the biggest yeah. bully ever yeah she'll be fa- she'll be firing the, one of the bailers or firing something the like big that, show you know, maybe slapping everybody over the face the big show's been fired off of everybody on the management team yeah. 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 I think that's as well you if you you can still have to be a star campaign but you can't let it like carry over into the storylines because then it'd just be it, there wouldn't be any you know reason to feud mm. you know you, you've got to separate the TV show from the charity cause yeah, uh, Sarah, do you have any uh, any thoughts on the whole sort of anti-bullying campaign? Well, it's, it's kind of a hard one, obviously, because they've got it most recently in the segments that they've got with Nia and Alexa. Obviously, Alexa's started off, obviously, being the bully herself, obviously, making fun of Nia, calling her names, this, that, and the next thing. Fat shaming. And fat shaming as well, of course. Um, only for her to try and turn it around and make herself the victim. Mm-hmm. But obviously, I think obviously WWE have sort of steered it in that direction where they have actually managed to incorporate. Because obviously, in Nia's last segment on Monday Night Raw, so she did mention "Be a Star," yeah, which is obviously the one that WWE are actually joined up with at the moment. Uh huh. Um, but in terms of like, see, so trying to like teach things to kids. In my opinion, obviously, this is just my personal opinion. Obviously, they've got to learn it sooner or later. Uh huh. So, and obviously, I think. My dad always used to say, obviously, that I used to be so well behaved until I went until I interacted with other kids. So obviously, they're going to have to learn it at some point, And what better way than to obviously make it like sort yeah. of kind of fake? But then obviously go, oh, don't don't worry about it. You'll you'll learn about it at some point, and obviously they'll understand it later on in life. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing you say there as well about the Nia Jax Alexa Bliss angle. The thing I think is quite good about it in terms of being a star is you always talk about kids needing role models mm-hmm. and I think the fact that at the end of this when we got Nia Jax obviously she Alexa Bliss had been bullying her in the angle and then she came out and won the championship it kind of brings her into a type of role model for her. that's the type of thing kind of so I think in that way it's good but when you compare it to like the Piggy James angle where she essentially didn't, didn't help her at all didn't help WWE they have to do it right and I think with the Nia Jax one they could do it right if they keep going with this one mm-hmm. and that's the other th- oh sorry Ross yeah you sorry something else I was just thinking about it's a uh... Seth MacFarlane getting interviewed about his show Family Guy obviously we know Family Guy not for kids he said that he gets parents shouting at him because they see a cartoon on TV and think oh cartoon kids they sit their kids down in front of it and then the kids have been watching it for six months and they realise like oh god this is actually you know Family Guy but controversial some of the stuff can't <laughs> say and he, he basically says it's I put my show out there it's up to the parents to either let their kids watch it and tell them, by the way, this isn't okay, that guy does this because he's this, and, or decide you're not watching that. I think it's the same with WWE. Mm-hmm. Like if a heel says something controversial, it's up to the parents to sit down and say, well, actually, you know, that's not okay because X, Y, Z. Uh-huh. You, it's up to the parents, if kids are watching something controversial, to step in and say either you're not watching it or you can watch it as long as you do not repeat X, X Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, you, that's actually quite an interesting point you bring up because that brings me to sort of like, because Family Guy came out um, 1999, I believe. And so it was sort of late 90s time, which was also around the time of the Attitude Era, uh, a time where basically anything was, was no holds barred. You know, the audience was quite raucous every night. They had major drawing power and they had all these uh, these these kind of storylines, which if they were repeated in this day and age, I imagine would gather quite a lot of controversy. Uh, so things like um, 
the Val Venus incident, if you all know what I'm talking about. Choppy, choppy, pee pee. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's something you was, that was actually in the news. That was somebody who had, had, it was a guy in America who had his penis chopped off and they found it and reattached it. Mm. And they actually brought that guy on TV. Mad. Like, to say, like basically say Val Venus, oh, it's okay, it happened to me, basically. Okay. And that's still a wee again. Capitalising on something controversial that isn't for the betterment of the product. Yeah. It was basically like, oh, this man gets his penis chopped up in the news. Let's get him on the telly. It's yeah. Mr. Yamaguchi, the guy. Was he not like the Japanese commentator with Funaki now? I think he is, yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously, <laughs> obviously yeah. Like, we left that, but it was extremely yeah. racist. Well, obviously with, the, um, obviously, with the attitude era and things like that, the audience was... It was primarily sort of young men in that in that age, but also maybe you could say it pushed the boundaries towards sort of teenagers and maybe sort of more grown-up kids rather than sort of like uh, kids under the age of ten, for example. Uh, and back then, it was obviously a much edgier product. You know, you had Stone Cold with the beer truck. Uh, you had things like the Crucifixion with the the Ministry of Darkness, the the, the Dark Wedding, as mm-hmm. it's called. And but the, the question I want to put out is, did that sort of much edgier product, where basically it was anything goes, do you think that made controversial storylines okay c- compared to this sort of day and age? So, Sarah, you, well, I can see you pondering over there. Do you yeah, think? It just, well, it kind of depends, actually, because obviously when they do controversial storylines, they could go literally anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. Like, you actually don't know what's going to be going on in their mind. It kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, But with it being like an edgier product, obviously... It, it's hard to say um, that if it makes it okay. I mean, yeah, I, it, it just sort of depends on how much they go with it. And obviously, if they let their imagination run wild, like they're riding on unicorns or something, Aye. that's that's just a little bit, you know, too out of the box. But if they keep it sort of pulling the reins in and actually going in a decent enough direction and knowing when to stop, makes it fine. Yeah. So, and one other point I'd like to bring up, and I'm going to address this to the whole room here. Um, obviously, you know, the audience was much different back then. It was a much sort of older audience. It was uh, a predominantly male audience that they were sort of catering to. Do you think that target audience kind of affected what WWE was putting out there? Like, could they put out storylines that catered more to a really sort of red-blooded young male audience rather than an audience that was well, universally families and any, everybody else? Well, I think yeah, the best example of that is probably the women's division, where <laughs> in the attitude era... Uh, Brian Panties matches were the main thing nowadays. Nowadays, if you were to have anything close to a Brian Panties match, it just wouldn't happen. So yeah. I think because you had that predominantly teenage male audience, doing these things got people to watch and then they could run the storylines around that. But obviously nowadays you've got a lot more families. I mean, we're a lot more, as a, as a society, you know, we're aware of these things a lot more. So yeah. it is all about the time and the, you know, the audience. And I think... Mm-hmm. You could you get away with stuff like some stuff like that, but again, there is again that balance, and there was obviously times and we'll probably see some of them where the balance just they went too far. I think it's more the the time period as well. Like in the nineteen eighties, like the best the best example I could get was like the nineteen eighties wrestling scene was sort of like Superman, where it was like the undefeatable hero and the the you know the foreign bad guy, mm-hmm. you know, or Captain Russia, Captain <laughs> Captain Iran, you know, Captain Russia. <laughs> And then the nineties was more like a a Batman where it was gritty. It was more more in real life. It yeah, was like the, these things actually happen. It wasn't as clear cut heroes and villains. Yeah. It was more just like what is your motive and who had the, the yeah. more willpower. And it wasn't like it wasn't a, like Stone Cold isn't a clear cut babyface. No, I mean like that man walked about assaulting random people. 
Hi, would you? <laughs> say if he was one of your colleagues and they beat up your yeah. boss all the time. Say if you liked your boss, for example, would you want to be working with a guy like him? <laughs> and then you had like people like Kane, a face, setting people on fire. Undertaker, crucifying people. The Rock was like the high school bully. Yeah, he was the jock. Yeah, but it was more it was more the era that it was in. It was sort of like people had grown tired of like eighties TV shows and eighties music, eighties wrestling, where it was just like all sparkly cookie cutter in the box. It was mm-hmm. more, it was the era grunge came in, and then obviously show, with shows like South Park and Family Guy coming into existence, more controversial comedy and all that came in. Yeah, that was another to thing. all aspects of like entertainment. Yeah, because you mentioned Family Guy before. Another good example of that is South Park. You know, which was a predominantly uh, late 90s sort of blossoming show it just came into its own um, with the you know obviously and it was a cartoon as well it was like a cut out cartoon this was also the time WWE actually referenced South Park this time as well but uh-huh. the, the guy came out with the was it the Cartman t-shirt on? Uh, yeah the, the guy with the Cartman shirt on yeah they were very popular back Kenny then Dollar well, not the oddities no not South <laughs> the what? oddities were far from popular <laughs> No, the Insane Clown Posse were popular because that's the sort of music we listened to in the 90s. Yeah, I, w- I was meaning the t-shirts, not the... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Not the posse, yeah. That, that's something I'm sorry I brought up earlier, like, it's down to the parent to decide what people watch. Yeah. <laughs> My poor granny was so tired, she watched us one night and South Park was on. She's falling asleep as I'm watching this and the next week I'm like, My mum, can I watch that cartoon that's on Channel 4? Watched five minutes here and it was like, nope, to your bed, nope, <laughs> never again. How old were you at the time? old. No, no, I was only about, it was 1999, so I was only about six. You were watching South Park? Yeah, well, it was a, like, like I said earlier, it's like, you turn on the TV and you see a cartoon, you're like, oh, that's for kids. Uh, it's deceptively, uh, I mean, but WWE's kind of the opposite. You think, oh, you see these people beating themselves up in the ring, mm-hmm. and but yeah, it's supposed to be a, a family-friendly show. Yeah. Again, mi- a bit of a mixed message, is it not? That's now. Yeah, right. that's nowadays, yeah. Going back to what Stephen said about the differences between women's wrestling now and back in the Attitude Era, I mean now when um, this this year you had the Mixed Match Challenge, you had Miz and Asuka win it and they were raising money for rescue dogs. Back in the Attitude Era, you had Jerry Lawler talk about puppies and it was a completely different thing he was talking about. Mm. Puppies were so over though. (laughs) (laughs) Puppies were well over. Another example for the women's division, you had Sable v Deborah and uh, whoever loses their clothes first match. What? It, it wasn't even called brown panties, it was basically to strip the person down what? for the women's title and Sable stripped Deborah down and Shawn Michaels came out and said, because of the size of Deborah's boobs, we're all a winner here tonight, she's the women's champion. So she won the See, women's championship because she had massive boobs. See, talking about that now, See, based on the way the society is now, would right to censor be a face stable? Probably, Probably yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Good. And back then, no, everybody hated them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they had that annoying entrance theme as well. Uh, it wasn't just the nineties as well. It's like even as far as two thousand and six, you had uh, the in WWE's version of ECW the Extreme Expose with yeah. Kelly Kelly, Layla, and Rebecca Di Pietro, I believe. I was actually watching One Night Stand two thousand seven uh-huh. last night, and you've got a pudding match. You've oh yeah, I remember kitten. that. And it's, it's Candice Michelle and Tori Wilson, I think. Why were you watching EC One Night Stand in 2007? <laughs> I watched a thing about Bobby Lashley on YouTube and then I watched that god awful promo and I thought I need to see him beat somebody up so I can kind of regain respect. Did he not him. face Vince McMahon that year? Yeah, he absolutely leveled him. <laughs> 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 yeah, but uh, it was Candice Michelle and Tori Wilson in like a bikini pudding match. Uh-huh. And it was just like, I got about two minutes into it and just went, nope. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is just too awful. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, going off the topic of pudding for a moment, uh, I'd like to. Uh, <laughs> 
I'd like to sort of uh, talk about some of the more sort of controversial angles that have uh, got into the wrestling industry. Now, I'm sure, I hope you guys have all done your homework here because I'm expecting some uh, some good presentations here, being Gulak 2.0 and stuff. Um, <laughs> so why don't we start? Gulak with, has charisma. Why don't we start with our higher power, Stephen? Do you have any sort of notable controversial angles that have uh, that have? cropped up in the wrestling industry. I'll be doing one each. Yeah, let's go. We'll do one each around the panel and then we'll see if we've got time for another one. Uh, I, me and Sarah before the show were discussing various ones and there was some quite good ones we both came across with. So I'm going to go with one that we didn't actually discuss and I thought was controversial, but it would have slipped under the, the, the radar. It was during the feud in 1999 between the big boss man and Al Snow, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, where um, Al Snow had a dog. Oh, oh, not anymore, anymore. Uh, yeah, because th- that dog was in his stomach. Yes, it was uh, the boss man feeding Al Snow's dog to Al Snow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Peter must have been having a field day with that one. That, that was, ju- it was just terrible. I mean, it's, it's one that people forget, rightfully so. I think partly, good because, reason, yeah. partly because they had the, the, the kennel cage match. Uh, kennel of Hell, yeah. Kennel of Hell, which is controversial in itself you know but no uh, there wasn't a stellar year of controversy for the boss man in 1999 and I think this was probably the worst of the lot so I would say Dave who didn't steal a coffin at one point uh, you like <laughs> big show's father's I'm coffin. guessing you're a fan of I guess you prefer dogs over cats I do prefer dogs over cats I think most people would yes. actually who, out of everybody here who prefers dogs to cats dogs so, me and dogs yeah. oh I'm the only one out here I prefer cats get out <laughs> leave right. moving on go right. back to Uniondale right <laughs> <laughs> Right, Sarah, I know. I understand you've got uh, a list of a thousand and four stories here. Uh, apparently, you, I have. I don't think I do, but <laughs> can you pick at least one? Yes, yes, I've got at least All one. Right. What, what's a good one you've got? Right, a good one that I've got. Right, and it's a year that I will never ever get back from in my life at all. It is Kane and Lita. Oh yeah. Oh, their lovely marriage from hell that probably should have stayed there, in my opinion. Okay, what was the most controversial thing about it? Matt Hardy what? getting released. <laughs> <laughs> well, what wasn't controversial about it? I mean, you had battery, you had blackmail, you had rape, rape, rape you had <laughs> Stockholm syndrome, you had everything in the storyline, yep. and it was and just you sh- sorry, and a miscarriage, and a miscarriage, yes, as well. And a so baby, and a baby getting put into the crib. Yeah, <laughs> just, just remember one important fact though: it wasn't Snitsky's fault, but it still was his fault. It came a year after. He, he, t- he electrocuted a man's testicles. Yeah. I mean, are we really surprised that this is the lens this man would go to? Ruthless Aggression Era was an interesting time for controversial storylines. Because, I mean, you had that as well, and you obviously had some other stuff going on in SmackDown around either that same year or the year after. I mean, I don't think even in this day and age you don't see as many controversial stuff these days. But yeah, I think the whole Kane and Lita, I know it was uncomfortable to watch at times. Other times. At times? Yeah, well. The whole time. All other, the time. Other times it was just like, no, you couldn't watch it at all. 14 months of my what, life. What, what part of it did you think? This is quite good. I was just like, Hi, this is like, this is convincing. This is going to work. Well done. Well, I was quite a fan of the SummerSlam match between Kane and Matt Hardy. Nah, the Kane, Kane Snitsky. Winner gets Lita. He's got to be biased because he was in the lake of incarnation. <laughs> Reincarnation. The, the Kane Snitsky match at Taboo Tuesday 2004 was pretty brutal. I will add actually what part of that was good. Kane chokes having Matt Hardy off a stage and off No, the that top was SummerSlam. No, I'm talking about the wedding. That was at the wedding. Oh, right, the yeah. wedding, the top the only one good was thing SummerSlam. About, yeah. Well, you remember a Lita- show dedicated to Kane actually on this Yeah, uh, Kane was wearing all white for that wedding as well. That just that looked was weird. And Lisa was wearing a black dress. That's not weird. What's weird is Kane not having Pyro this year. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back Pyro. You know what else got me? It was the fact that, um, obviously. Edge outside of WWE cheated on uh, Lita cheated on Matt Hardy with Edge but in the actual storyline if we're separating story, Edge is the good guy he saved Lita from a forced marriage 
Edge is the gallant hero. <laughs> Edge offered Edge offered true love when she was forced to marry someone it's, she didn't want to. And yet Lita supposedly turned heel. Yeah, and Lita was a heel. I'm sorry, Edge and Lita are the good guys there. It's amazing how your mind can change when the man who supposedly, well, not supposedly, who raped you in storyline was then attacking the person who was at fault for the the miscarriage of your child. The miscarriage of the child. And then you fall in love child. with him. Lovely, lovely bit of Stockholm syndrome. Mm. It's very And then we got that lovely match between Kane and Viscera. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because my fingers into my eyes. <laughs> there was the yeah. She fell in love with him. She got Stockholm syndrome because she came. She was written off TV with Kane. Then she came back about a month before him, and Snitsky started harassing her. Like, personally, I'd put in a workplace complaint. Get to your union rep in the morning later. All right, this is just getting depressing now. Ross, do you have any other controversial storylines? Something that will really, sort of really made you think, oh my god, what are they doing? Well, it's not one I've seen, it's actually one I read of it, and I think it's actually more controversial than anything WWE, WCW, ECW ever done. Mm-hmm. It was in uh, WWC in Puerto Rico, and it was, uh, have you heard the story about Bruiser Brody? Maybe. A lot of stories about Bruiser yeah, Brody. Yeah, so in 1988, Bruiser Brody was attacked by a wrestler, Jose Gonzalez, in a locker room. Oh, yeah, and I know it, that one And in, in real life, he was stabbed and killed by Jose Gonzalez. Oh, yeah, I remember that. The sure. guy the guy got away with it. And in 1989, they tried to push Jose Gonzalez in WWC as a mega babyface. Now, everybody knew he'd done it. It was like, it was folks with the Colts and all that. And, you know, it was people like Zeb Colt and Tony Atlas were getting their, their subpoenas to testify the day after the trial got thrown out. And so they tried to push this guy as a mega babyface, and it didn't work. So in uh, Frontier Martial Arts Wrestling, he went there in 1990, and to gain sympathy and to get him into a mega babyface, and they can comp- they complain, <laughs> they push Roman Reigns too hard this, these days. <laughs> <laughs> to gain sympathy for this Jose Gonzalez, they had an angle in the same arena where he is supposedly, allegedly, for legal reasons, killed Bruiser Brody. They had him stabbed in a sh- uh, in the same locker room. Wow. For TV purpose. That. So they basically rep- it was art imitating life essentially. Yeah, basically he killed someone, got a baby face push. It didn't work, so they went right. What? Why don't they like him? Oh, he stabbed someone. Why don't we have someone stab him? That'll work. Roman Reigns doesn't look too bad now, kids. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they complain about them piping in cheers and putting plants in the crowd. I'm sorry, but poor Roman Reigns has never tried to kill someone. <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> that we know of. Yeah. That we that we know of. You know. That, that, this is going to look really bad in about five years' time if we have like a Roman Reigns situation where he's <laughs> <laughs> went. But he's went a bit, it's a bit crazy. The big yeah. dog killer. The big dog! <laughs> All right, that, uh, was bo- that was the boss man. The big dog killer. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Quacko, do you. Anything that. Anything that crosses your mind? Anything you think? No way. What were they thinking? Um, I would just. It's going to be a hard one. I'm going to bring it up. I may bring a bit of a debate, but I'll bring it up here. Anyway. No, that's what we're here for, it's debate. Um, I, has to, I have to bring it up, it was when DX uh, imitated the Nation of Domination. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had a couple of wrestlers that had um, darkened themselves up. <laughs> um, now, I, I saw what Mark Henry said about that. He said that X-Pac and others had actually asked, like said they did not want to specifically do that. Mm-hmm. But he said to them, no, you got to do it because it, it would be actually be quite funny and it's not really something that's big to me. Like, you're not doing it in a malicious way, if you know what I mean. The reason why it's still a bit raw is because when you've 
back in like when you're talking like the fifties with like the struggling for equality and everything, you would find that a lot of times people would blacken themselves up and was, they would blacken themselves up in a, the most ridiculous way that it looks nothing like a person of my complexion and it was to kind of cheapen our race. In fact, you can even look up, there was a BBC programme, uh, the Black Minstrel Show, mm-hmm. that aired around the 70s, and mm. people had blackened themselves up. Like, even back in their palms, and everyone could vouch, I've got white palms. <laughs> like, they would even blacken that up, and they would just, like, imitate black people in, like, the most st- unstereotypical way. So, and the thing, like, whenever you kind of talk about this, like, I don't have as big of an issue with it, unless it's doing something, like, I've fought something where people were blacking themselves up and they were saying that I'm going to spread all the AIDS as if everybody in Africa's got AIDS. I fought against that. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. It's when people say that, oh, what about white chicks? That's not the argument you should use in that yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. It's, I hate that whole what aboutery. Yeah. No, two wrongs don't make a right kind of thing. Yeah, no, the racial stereotyping is a big, big issue with, uh, with a lot of things, especially in this day and age. You know, it's anything to do with, you know, you know, we try and kick out racism as much as we can in this day and age. Unfortunately, it's still rife in a lot of places. But, you know, I think the important thing is, you know, you're making progress. It's featured less heavily on, uh, on like, primetime TV these days. And, but yeah, it's uh, it definitely has gone downhill. I mean, that comes back to what we were talking about a bit earlier on, about uh, the, the time of things, you know. I mean, if I remember rightly, that angle actually went down quite a lot well with the crowd because it yeah. was in that type of time mm-hmm. but that's again like nowadays if that happened we'd be kind of like oof that's a bit that's a bit risky that's yeah. a bit edgy type of thing so it's kind of that type of way it's like how society's kind of evolved mm-hmm. with wrestling as well so yeah you can kind of see it comes to the, the timing you know I'd actually be curious to see where that angle took place if it was in a predominantly white or you know a, a state or an area that's predominantly way African American back actually because mm-hmm. it would like obviously the likes of Mark Henry and The Rock and all that said you know on you go you know it, mm. it's written down you yous aren't the one doing it and it was like you looked at X-Pac everyone else sort of just tanned themselves up put a bit too much fake tan on no X-Pac went and get the shoe polish <laughs> X-Pac yeah, is like two that's, that's the thing yeah. I was like I uh, X-Pac really sort of like don't get me wrong, rate. I actually kind of find the segment quite funny. Yeah. Like the whole B-Lo thing, I find that quite <laughs> funny. It's quite funny how he keeps Again, up going up the turnbuckle. Like you said, you know, there was nothing malicious about it. It was yeah. purely for comedic purposes. But at the same time, you can see why people might get offended by that. Exactly, that's that's like the kind of point I'm... And like when you talk about stuff like that, it's people use the wrong arguments to counter it. Yeah. It's the whole thing of what about you? I hate what about you? I just laugh mm-hmm. at it. Um, use different arguments about it that's the only thing I would say about yeah. it really uh, see that's the thing about controversy sometimes you have to push the boundary and it's a bit of a gamble as well because you know it might pay off it might not and you'll get a lot of backlash as a result mm-hmm. so again all about you know maybe take a chance find the balance but don't be too distasteful with it yeah alright I think we've got time for one more example before we'll go into a quick break uh, uh, Sarah have you got any other uh, controversial storylines that are worth mentioning well yeah I've got Tim White and the lunchtime suicide oh, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh was that that was in 2005, wasn't it? He just retired as a referee and yeah. he was doing all these promos about him being suicidal. Promos. Yeah. Promos. promos. Well, promos. Segments. Segments. <laughs> segments. He was in a bar. Segments. He was, he was just minding his own business and then Josh Matthews <laughs> came Josh in. Josh Matthews. And he, uh, he had to do about 20 segments with, with Tim White. Yeah. I mean, come mm. on. Have you seen Josh Matthews now? Poor Tim White. No wonder he was suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Matthews in TNA. Oh the views God. of Ross McLeod do not reflect that those of here in C- Eat Sleep Suplex retweet. Well, half the panel nodded. They quite clearly do. Have you watched? <laughs> my hands. Have you watched TNA recently? 
Not recently, no. Josh Matthews is the most insufferable heel since Michael Cole. I think Michael Cole, <laughs> and then times it by a thousand. Jeez. I always thought he was insufferable anyway. <laughs> See the greatest moment of Josh Matthews' career? was when Brock Lesnar launched him over a production truck. Oh my it god. It was hilarious. I'm just doing my job and he just picks him up and launches him as if he's like a sack of rice. I would love if WWE rehired Josh Matthews just to set get set Braun Strowman on him. Oh <laughs> and not even tell him. Just like happy like, first day. <laughs> he's gonna get these hands. Yeah. Hans. 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 The suicide angles is definitely a very hot topic, and not because it's heavy, heavy, featured heavily a lot in soap operas these days. Like recently, it was featured on Coronation Street, yeah. which is a soap opera here in the UK. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it, I, at the same time, I think it's quite a, a controversial because there's a lot of stigma about it, especially with like young males in particular, or just men in general, because you know people think, oh, what, what? Uh, because I think one of the sort of uh, laid-back attitudes to have is, oh, we're men, we're tough, we're not supposed to be, you know, sad, we're meant to be tough, strong individuals, but... Like man-ups, always. Yeah, the man-ups, I hate I hate that, you know, what does it actually mean? It doesn't mean, like, fill yourself with testosterone and get muscular, it's like, it, it can mean a whole sort of thing. Something else, like, jumping off the point of the Tim White suicide angle, another reason it's that tasteless and controversial, how many wrestlers... Like up until 2004 had committed suicide how many wrestlers since mm. have committed suicide you know that that was another thing it's really tasteless considering yeah. a, lot of, a lot of Tim White's colleagues obviously because he was a referee since like yeah. the early 90s late 80s so how many of his colleagues had killed themselves and then they asked him oh by the way you can't referee but see you get your paycheck pretend to kill yourself yeah, no, that was probably one of the most distasteful things. I could even watch those segments after I watched maybe the first two because uh, you could see where it was going and it's thought, no, why am I even watching this? This is horrible. Uh, so, yeah, so suicide, yeah, that's probably something really sort of edgy. You know, this was sort of ruthless aggression time as well. It wasn't even attitude era sort of time. So it makes you wonder, like, where where does the, the boundary end, as it were? So, Ross, do you have any uh, any other stories? Well, I'm going to do a quick one because we're a couple of minutes for the break. Yeah, we're fine, yeah. And uh, obviously, Sarah's got this one down, so I'll let her go into more detail about it later. Billy and Chuck. Mine's is actually an offshoot of the Billy and Chuck one. Mm-hmm. So, two years later at Judgment Day, Rico has went from the guy you wouldn't know that was gay unless somebody told you he was gay and works in your local hairdressers mm-hmm. to RuPaul's Drag Race. And he is teaming with Charlie Haas as a tag team champion. And he's facing Billy Gunn who he used to work for, Billy Gunn, who fully knew he was like gay in character, mm-hmm. and it's Billy Gunn and Hardcore Holly at Judgment Day 2004, running scared from Rico and Charlie Hoss because oh my god, it's a gay guy. It's like you know the the stereotype in WWE was always yeah like oh he's a gay guy, he must want to have sex with every man. Uh-huh. You know it's like no, it's not how it works. You know there's a lot of profiling of gays back in the day stuff, especially like on. Like shows like South Park as well. Yeah. Like you, people use it use the term as a slander quite a lot. Yeah. Well, look. Before we go to the break, obviously a quick one. Goldust. They, it was rumored that he was gay in the storyline. Uh huh. And again, it'd be interesting to see what arena this took place in, what part of the country. When he admitted in an interview that he wasn't gay, he got a baby face cheer. Uh-huh. He was a baby face because he wasn't gay. And if he was, do you think he would have got a well a heel I, response? It was it was Cody Rhodes who said he went to a wrestling improv night and seen it was a uh, Goldust in twenty it was Goldust and it was twenty sixteen at the time and it was like 
I'm Goldust, I'm gay, you're gonna hate this, and it was like, obviously plants in the crowd, but no man, it's like, it's 2016, no one cares, just, you do you. You do you, exactly, yeah. It was yeah. 20 years before it was like, he might be gay, no. is he gay? No, but he might be. Hmm. See, that's a, uh, that sort of leads me to sort of a small anecdote, because uh, obviously I was away for three weeks in America, I stopped in Savannah, Georgia, right, and I was, um, one of the night's activities was we went along to a bar and it was a drag queen show. And what we found out later on was that a lot of those drag queens were actually straight guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, because you automatically assume, oh, they dress up like like women, female performers, you must assume they're gay. Mm-hmm. Turns out, no, actually, but half of them were straight, straight men, and that's just how they make their living. David's so- memoirs will be released next week. <laughs> They're available on good big stores. It, it was at that moment that David felt an awakening. <laughs> he was transformed was to... Wonderful. He was transformed to Davina. <laughs> oh, I've missed you guys. All right, just before we go to a quick break, Stephen Quacko, do you guys have anything you want to you wanna bring up? Y- yes, um... Paul Bearer and the Concrete Crypt. Oh, gosh. I mean, that it, the whole thing made no sense. I mean, first of all, it's like he's been the threat. He's the threatening to put him in cement. Mm-hmm. But then there was obviously the fact that there was a stipulation that if Undertaker won, then he was safe. But yet Undertaker won, then he essentially committed murder on his in storyline on live Fara. TV right, on live TV at the end of the show. I mean, in front of 17,000 witnesses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like. <clears throat> It's like, it's, it's, what was his reason? It's like, he's holding me back. And I. And it's like, what? So just like, tell him to go away or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, just say... It's like, Dad, leave me alone. Just say, I mean, and then kind of, Paul Bennett had a rough one with that. I mean, Kane threw him in a freezer. Aye. And that was Edge. Edge, Edge put him in the freezer Edge initially. Pushed, Edge pushed him off. No, I think no, Kane pushed was, him off a balcony. No, it was Edge. The Edge one was a different one, but it was... Uh, no, that was with... Um, Randy Orton. Randy, Randy Orton kidnapped him because he... It was like an old school Smackdown the week before. And Kane leathered Bob Orton. So it was like, oh, you're going to battle my dad. I'll battle your dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the one with Edge made, I mean, you say, you, you talked to earlier on about Edge being the heel when he should have been the face. That time he was the face when he should have been a heel. Yeah. I mean, it's like Rusev. We could be all day about Rusev. Oh, God. Don't yeah. get you started on Rusev. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> all right. Quacko, anything before we. Uh... Nope. No. Okay. Well, uh, that's uh, some good examples of controversial storylines at the moment. Uh, if you've got any examples we haven't mentioned yet and we want to discuss on air, be sure to tweet us at Suplex Retweet. You can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, so, one of the, I'd say probably one of the more controversial angles in wrestling history, and I think it has to be mentioned, 1997 Survivor Series, the Montreal Screwjob. Arguably the most controversial wrestling angle in history because I think without it, you know, a lot of things probably wouldn't have happened. You know, would we have, uh, say, would Bret Hart have gone to WCW as a result? Would he have had a much longer career as a result? And would we ever see the famous Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon at WrestleMania 26? Yeah, so many questions coming from the Montreal Screwjob, but a lot of uh, WWE officials and superstars had their own say on it. So over this time, we're going to be... Uh, hearing their views on it. So here's everybody's thoughts on the Montreal Screwjob. Hi, this is James Ellsworth. Duh. And you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. One of the most famous things I can remember was the Montreal Screwjob. I'm a big fan of Bret the Hitman Hart and Shawn Michaels, and I can't believe what went down during the Montreal Screwjob. was a long journey in itself. The 18 months. That's what the fans. To get it done. 
And the smart money is, is that you will never, ever see it again. The story that unfolded, the rivalry between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. As a fan watching this, I had no idea what was going on as it was happening. Look at this! Oh, you're kidding me. Michaels, are you going to try to beat Bret Hart with a sharpshooter? Yes, he is! Watching it go down, and as a fan, you, you, it kind of blended the lines of reality and, and who was the winner, and everyone was confused. Are you kidding me? And uh, I remember watching this personally, saying, I don't think I saw him taps. I was as shocked as Bret the Hitman Hart was, uh, but I was not quite as upset. Then as things unfolded and history was made, we find out he didn't dance. What happened? What happened? Bret Hart gave up with a sharpshooter. You saw Bret Hart go to town. He destroyed the set. He was spitting in the air. He was writing WCW, and you knew something big was going on. Wow, you talk about controversy. This crowd is living. I would have done whatever I had to do, so I, 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 I can't go on either side of that. I take care of myself, and that's all there is to it. Uh, the Montreal screw job really made me hate Vince McMahon because I loved Bret Hart, and just the idea that that Bret got screwed and that Vince was the one who did it, and it just made me think, God, oh, gosh, what, this guy's such a. Uh, I would never want to work for this guy. Michaels with a sharpshooter has become champion, and Bret Hart is standing in disbelief. I never thought I'd see Bret Hart in another WWE ring ever again. Ladies and gentlemen, good night from Montreal. Listen, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of. Tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions, get on it right now! Ladies and gentlemen, you're live from Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, on Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I am your host, the modern day Maharaja, David Hockney, and I am joined by Stephen, Sarah, Ross, and Kwaku as we discuss the controversial side of the wrestling industry. Big shout out to the voice of ICW, Billy Kirkwood, and to Mr. No Chin Music, Mr. James Ellsworth, for their sound bites there. Thank you, guys. And, yeah, um, so yeah, we're discussing the controversial side of wrestling, and we've had uh, some chat in from, from Twitter, and we've had some user input already. We'll start off with uh, the one and only Mark Leslie. We'll just bring his message here. Yeah, so some of the controversial angles he said, he says um, when Vince McMahon sedated Linda has to be one of the most weird, wrong, but amazing storylines and Ed Ferrara's Oklahoma character in WCW, both weird, wrong, and amazing. <laughs> yeah, weird, wrong, but amazing. That is Mark for you though. What? Describe <laughs> Love weird, you, Mark. <laughs> weird, wrong, and amazing describes David Holliday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet After Dark. Available on Anchor. <laughs> Just press the red button. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, some of the other examples we got, we had um, uh, David Kinnear said that the time Vince wanted to do an incest storyline with Stephanie, and he uh, said another, uh, he said an expletive here, but we can't say it. Uh, Martin Hughes says, Nation of Domination threatening threatening to sexually assault China. That's another another angle. 
Uh, Martin's also said uh, the Triple H Booker T match at WrestleMania 19, which was basically heavy evolved, uh, some casual racism there. Uh, people like you don't win a world title. People like you don't deserve to be world champion. Three years later, he was world champion. Yeah. <laughs> and do you know what, the fu- what I liked about that? Well, actually, I didn't like about that story. There was a full 23 seconds between Triple H hitting the pedigree and getting the, the pinfall. Have you, timed, have you timed this exactly? I, I did my research. I'm a stats man, remember? I'm, I'm a stats, stats man. <laughs> Listen to the last three weeks when you've been away, you should not be the stats man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Scott and Sarah have uh, Ryan also them. says uh, Kane and Lita with Snitsky. That's, uh, we've discussed that already. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, He's also, uh, Ryan Eardley has said uh, Muhammad Hassan angle versus Undertaker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, see, that was one of the examples I had written down, and I'd like to go into that in a bit more detail, which is... Uh, I think we've all got that written uh, down. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I'd like to go into that uh, once we've read a few more. We've got um, Andrew Ferguson, the whole Zach Gowan angle. You know, a guy with one leg. One leg. Yeah. And he get beat up by Brock Lesnar, like, mm-hmm. weekly. That angle, <laughs> that angle never had a leg to stand on, did it? <laughs> well, I had one. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, could Zach Gowen be the ultimate Raw Rumble competitor? Because I, I think we discussed this before, I, he could be eliminated. Both we could both of you have to hit the floor. <laughs> the guy only had one leg. Had? <laughs> He's still alive, David. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Andrew also says, uh, any segment where wrestlers beat down many opponents? So, midgets, essentially. Poor Hot Sparkle. Mm. Him versus El Torito is anybody the most re- underrated match in yes. WWE history. Yeah. Yes. Anybody remember the juniors division? Oh god, yeah. that was the genius work of John Laurinaitis because he'd just get rid of the cruiserweight division. Yeah, and he basically brought in midget wrestlers to yeah. go on <laughs> velocity and. Is that also the Smackdown? time they had the, the, the boogeyman on SmackDown? Yeah, oh, the boogeyman the was at many boogeyman as well. He's and after we got nightmares. and after we got Heyman off the writing staff, this is what happens. <laughs> we had the SmackDown Six, <laughs> which David thought was on the Raw. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> All right. Uh, David Smith says Road Warrior Hawk's drinking storyline, especially mm-hmm. when draws the room uh, off the Titan yeah. Tron. Yeah. That was pretty controversial. Uh, and finally, we've got one more before we move on. Uh, Marco Piva says uh, between controversial and head scratcher with more than some uh, some extra material. The storyline between Kurt Angle and Jeff Jarrett after Kurt Angle's wife had left him for Jeff Jarrett. So bit uh, of a domestic scuffle there. Grazie mille to Marco. Sorry, I got off for that. And he oh, yeah. speaks. He's Italian. Okay. Uh, and he also says uh, CM Punk using Paul Bearer's death in his storyline with Taker when apparently Bearer had mentioned that he'd be glad to be uh, commemorated that way anyway but that's another thing before I move on to the Muhammad Hassan angle is that using wrestlers deaths to for cheap heat I think that's probably one of the most disgusting promotional tactics you could use because there was an example in 2006 after Eddie Guerrero's death Randy yep. Orton said to Rey Mysterio Eddie ain't in heaven he's down there in hell and that was to convinced Ray to put up his Wrestlemania title opportunity at No Way Out that year and as a result Randy Orton got into the, the main event that of that year's Mania mm-hmm. making it a triple threat match don't well, be a bully just make fun of the dead and you'll get a world title match at Wrestlemania or you can take on the streak sorry sir Aye. yeah you can, <laughs> yeah, take, you can on take on the streak, the streak yeah. uh, same, same thing I think the most recent example as well was the 2015 Survivor Series Paige was facing Charlotte Flair for oh, the God. Divas Championship you know there was no women's championship at the time uh, yeah, and she used uh, Reed Flair's death as an angle. So it was like <coughs> your your baby brother didn't have much fight in him. Again, I think that's probably a pretty sick example. Sarah, you, uh, are you going to... Well, yeah, I was going to go back to the, the whole Eddie Guerrero thing, obviously. It's the storyline between Ray and Chavo as well. Uh-huh. Obviously, there was talk that Ray only actually got the belt because of association with Eddie. And obviously mm. that's what gave Chavo the sort of push. And again, I 
it's anything to do with the wrestler's death absolutely disgusting to my eyes yeah it's like the, the dead should just stay dead just leave them just leave them be and funny enough that's how king booker won his first world title with wwe as well mm. with chavo turning heel mm. because of you know chavo thinking ray was using eddie's name to to great success but yeah using a, a wrestler's death in an angle i think that's a terrible idea unless they specifically like said in their will or something use keep using my name for entertainment purposes to, so to, my to my former boss i leave any angle about my death <laughs> <laughs> i think though what you've got is like obviously paul bear said he was happy to be remembered in that way you know he's happy to be using an angle mm-hmm. like that you've got to remember how com- uncomfortable it is for you know like family we, members like, we stuff. might not know wrestlers but you get invested because they're on tv every week there's no an off season in wrestling they're on your tv say like the average wrestler lasts five years in the wwf or wwe i should say and you know you get attached to them you see them every week it affects the fans as well it affects you know the wrestlers backstage you know it it leads to uncomfortable situations you know obviously the heels in the face dynamic might be dead in wrestling you know you see them on the likes of ride along and all that you know car sharing heels and faces mm-hmm. so these people might be friends and they might be getting to oh by the way you know i know you liked you know this wrestler here go slag the fact that he's dead you know it's uncomfortable for the fans it's uncomfortable for them I think that's something else you need to take into account. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and uh, also, I think during the Paul Bearer one as well, there was a, a scene where CM Punk actually poured Paul Bearer's ashes over Taker and yeah. over himself, I think. I mean, I know people who have been cremated, and... What is that? That sounds, that sounds, that sounded so casual. I was going to do, I was going to do. I know people that have been to Magaluf, I know people that have been cremated. <laughs> I mean, you've seen cremations and stuff, and you think, if you saw that and... <laughs> you'd feel a little bit ticked off by that, wouldn't you? They've all gone, by the way. They've all, they're all laughing. I, I do get what you mean. Sorry, David. It was just a, it was just a like, obviously... It was the casualness of it. Like, and Quack is dying. I'm laughing at him. I'm laughing at him. <laughs> oh, they're, they're gone. They're gone, guys. Yeah, they're gone. Quack is over there. It's usually me and Stacey this like this, but no, no, it's Stephen and Quack this week. Yeah, very mature, guys. Very mature. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm cool. I'm cool. No, okay. you're not. Nah, you've I'm had cool. it. I'll manage. Oh, dear. I'm sorry. Yeah, but right. <laughs> when you see stuff like that on TV, you'd, you'd think, my God, I mean, is that all a bit far? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. All right. Oh, moving swiftly on. Yeah, moving swiftly on so these two can have time to recover. Uh, I want to move on to the something that was brought up. You know, the, one of the listeners mentioned, but and I've also got written down here, the Muhammad Hassan angle in 2005. I think that's probably one of the most talked about angles, mm-hmm. uh, not just with amongst us here on the panel, but also throughout the listeners as it, well. It's such a shame. He could have been so good. He's wrestling again. Is he back? Yeah, he's back after like 13 years yeah, away. That's what somebody said. Way to capitalise on that on that big release you got 13 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did he not become like a head teacher at a school or something? I think he was a school teacher. Yeah, yeah. You just imagine that, sir. Sir, uh, I was watching WWE Network <laughs> <laughs> for, for a yeah. nine to nine. <laughs> sir, yeah. I thought what, you were what, t- what, what did you do to the Undertaker? Sir, I thought you were an Italian Canadian. <laughs> no, apparently no. I'm Arab American. That, that was, was uh, Ross. He, he was Italian American, not Italian Canadian. Oh, I thought it was Canadian. That's gender, how you think? No? Is it Canadian? Canadian, uh. Indo-Canadian, not Italian Canadian. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, just to sort of give you a bit of background, Muhammad Hassan was portrayed as a as an Arab American who was facing a lot of prejudice and sort of casual racism as a result of like 
a lot of terrorist incidents that went on. No, it, it, it sort of brought in real life as well, especially events like 9-11, which was only like a few years prior. And he was using that to get monster heel heat. You know, he was saying, I'm an Arab American, you lot, you American, you real Americans are just, just disrespecting me because I'm an, of Arab descent. And it was him and Davari as well. Yeah. He was his manager. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, Davari had some matches as well alongside him. But yeah, um, the, <laughs> the angle was um, Hassan was going to get pushed to the moon as a monster heel. And uh, rumor has it he was actually supposed to win at that year's SummerSlam, the World Heavyweight Championship he was meant from to Batista. Beat the, he was meant to beat The Undertaker beat the at Undertaker. the Great American Bash. Mm -hmm. And this is, two, this is, we're talking 2005. This is... Not long after Undertaker had um, came back as the Dead Man, so yeah. he was pretty much barely lost yeah. unless it was. It, it basically his move to because he was on Raw for the first sort of four or five months of his career, but then he made the jump to SmackDown in the 2005 draft, and that's kind of when things starts to go a bit downhill because he entered a program with the Undertaker after his first match, which was a six-man elimination match for what was supposed to be the SmackDown Championship, but then Batista got drafted over. So that sort of set them two up uh, with a potential SummerSlam program. But what happened was, uh, I think it was uh, a few weeks prior to the Great American Bash that year, the SmackDown aired a very sort of controversial segment in which Undertaker just beaten Davari in a match, and then Hassan summoned five masked men in black jumpers, black ski masks, and they basically assaulted The Undertaker with, uh, you know, planks of wood with piano wire. And it was just very, very uncomfortable to the watch. The key thing was it was the week of the 7-7. Yeah. It, it, it was the day of you, the 7-7 bombing. You beat, you beat me to the punch, yeah. It was, it was like pre, only a couple of days later of the 7-7 bombings no, happened. No, it was pre-taped. Pre yeah, back before the Tuesday, was live, yeah. And so. the bombing took place on the, uh, on the, the day itself, the yeah. Thursday, I believe. Mm, and so. that, they, they had time to cut it, but it didn't. But they didn't they, cut it? No, it was aired on the... I think it was aired on the live show, but I think on repeats and in the UK, it was segmented. Yeah, in America it aired. So America, it, didn't, it didn't air over here because they had time to cut it. Mm -hmm. they, didn't, they didn't cut it on the original. Yeah, original it was podcast. brutal, brutal bad timing for um, storyline purposes especially. Because after the after that week, after the, the, the London bombings happened, a lot of media outlets were oh, attacking... Right that the character and the WWE because of with a lot of sort of prejudice and discrimination because I believe there was one columnist that actually wrote that uh, Hassan summoned Arabs in ski masks but how do you know they were Arab? They were yeah. wearing ski masks. all black and ski masks and stuff. You assumed that they were Arab. That's something else, sorry. Like, that was something else. It was a problem and it's a controversial, not just a storyline, it's a controversial issue in WWE and even back to the 80s. It wasn't like where are you from? It was like, what do you look like? Do you look like you've got a tan about you? Oh, I'm Italian American. Oh no, you you got a tan. you could you could pass for an Arab. You'd look people like Yokozuna, Samo uh, Samoan. Samoan, yeah. Uh, your eyes don't look quite right. You can be Japanese, and you've got the body of a sumo wrestler. Uh, you've got the body of a sumo wrestler. We'll make you Japanese. Like I'm not Japanese at all. <laughs> I'm Samoan. <laughs> yeah, but that the Mohammed Hassan storyline could have been done so well. You look. The mm. best example to give is Mustafa Ali. Came in as a heel, not because of where he's from, just because they needed a heel. And they started doing vignettes where it was... I know people have prejudice and pre, uh, predetermined notions about people of my of my ethnicity. I'm going to work to earn your respect and show you that there's more to me than my, the colour of my skin. Mm. And he gradually got over with the crowd through you know good wrestling and 
because he's talented, yeah. he's super talented. Yeah, and that could have been the Mohamed Hassan thing, just like, you could have brought him in as a heel, but then have him say like, you know, it's not my fault these things happened, these things are happening. You know, I'm just a, a member of my community. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a peaceful Arab American, even though he's Italian. You know, and they could have built to a gradual face turn. They definitely could have, yeah. And or sorry, I think even they just s- keep him heel. Just don't make him a terrorist. And they follow, yeah. And they followed up on the whole uh, sort of prejudice, discriminatory media outlets as well. Basically, the network had actually pressured WWE to keep Hassan off TV until the Great American Bash. And if anything, I think that actually sort of helped for the storyline a bit because it shows, you know, because he highlighted all the the prejudice and the discrimination going through the media. He was saying like, whenever there's a plane crash, blame the Arabs. If there's a bomb going off, blame the Arabs. And there was a very very sort of sensitive racial profiling when it and came to And then he got sent to hell. And then he got last ri- last raided through the stage and he was written off TV because he was deemed, because the angle, you know, it got too controversial and I guess WWE caved to media and network pressure. I'm just going to say, thank God it was the Dead Man Undertaker and not the Undertaker from 2000 to 2003 where he was like American... American, American badass, uh, yeah. American biker man who, you know, You've seen what Undertaker's political views are outside of WWE, but he was the proper, like, picture America as a person, and that was him. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Like, if it was still Badass Taker, you'd have had lots of flag waving and all that. You yeah. could but, see it, another match with Test. It would have been like, oh, it would have been something similar to, like, what, WrestleMania 7, you know, Hulk Hogan, the All American hero, yeah. beating the Iraqi sympathizer, Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. We couldn't, we couldn't get an Iraqi, so let's just turn this yeah. white Minnesotan man. <laughs> just give him a turban yeah and yeah it's I guess it's WWE's way of saying oh America always beats the foreign heels kind of thing you know it's getting repetitive I think it's getting it's just getting horrible now but yeah um, so that was the Muhammad Hassan angle arguably probably one of the most controversial story storylines of the 21st century uh I think we've got time for one more controversial story from each of you before I sort of move on to the next uh, topic so uh, Kwaku, do you, do you have any uh, controversies that we haven't mentioned yet? You wanna you wanna t- discuss? Um. Okay, it's probably on the similar lines with what I mentioned about X Pac and DX. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably have to say this two okay the two segments with um, Piper's Pit and Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Mm. Um, like you you. When you look at the highlight reel, you just laugh. You see, see the bit where he smashes his head with the coconut, and you laugh about that kind of thing because you just laugh at that, oh, he's getting hit in the head. But it's the things that were said before it, uh, asking about, okay, what, where are you from? And then they say, you like your coconuts, you climb up the trees, and he was imitating like he's like a monkey climbing mm. up, and that's just not a thing you go, to go down. It's not a route you go down on. Yeah, so again, sort of, Stereotypical profiling again about people from different nations. Have I, have I stolen it from Sarah? No, no, I'm sure oh. there's something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely following a theme here. You hated all the sort of racial profiling, the stereotyping, and you know that's it's a very sort of uh, talked about issue these days, and one that you know if it's ever picked up on in the media, people come down on it like a ton of bricks, and yeah. they're saying no, this is not okay. Like it, it's, it was the times, it was the times, whatever kind of thing. Like, but like, don't like, like I said about the DX kind of thing. Like, the, what DX did, it was like, for comedic purposes. I don't yeah. find that funny. It's just it could go down a completely the wrong. It could take a completely wrong turn. The 
the Piper's Pit one was probably the more offensive one. Yes, yeah. like for specific, like he was specifically saying, um, you like to climb up the trees, you mm-hmm. like to like scratch, or you, you like to yeah, your coconuts, your bananas and stuff, and like um, using the terms monkey and imitating a monkey. Yeah. Uh, to people of um, my ethnicity or others, it's, it's just no, don't go, don't yeah. even go there. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen, you got any? Uh, you got one more? Uh, I've got a few, but I'm going to go with, with one more. Uh, I'm just going to say it because I don't know if it will get said. Uh, Katie Vick. Oh gosh! No. <laughs> I think I'm going to bow out of this one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? He's actually took his headphones off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What actually were they thinking of? With the whole Katie Vick thing, it was just... It was basically, yeah, the storyline meant that was Kane had a girlfriend who was murdered, I think? Was Or did she I, die? It was not implied it was like that a drunken car crash was yeah. the storyline. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, it was, I, cause I, it was implied that Kane was in the Apparently car. Kane was the one that was driving. Yeah, and then there was the whole thing with Triple H dressed as Kane. He basically yeah. molested a poor mannequin. Yeah. It wasn't even molested, he proper full on was humping the thing. I mean, yeah. I mean we talked in the first half of how Kane's always the one kinda doing these type of controversial angles we had the one with him and Lita. This one was kinda you kinda felt sorry for Kane, it was just like what 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 is the actual point? What does this achieve? And it didn't achieve anything. Uh-huh. And it was just it was, uh-huh. it was just disgusting. It made me feel sick actually. It was pure taste. It, it was very very, yeah. very pure taste. You talk kind of a little about um, exploiting the death of wrestlers, but just exploiting death in general. Necrophilia essentially. Yeah, it's it's, it's bad. It's, it's, it's bad. And, and it wasn't. It was like live in front of what thousands of people. Yeah, it was millions mm-hmm. of people at home as well. It was an episode of Raw, and it just it, it did nothing for either two of them. I mean, no. this, it, was, this was when Triple H was literally running wild. It's just, the, yeah, as a, a, another excuse to sort of push the boundaries on what they could and couldn't do. But yeah, I think maybe that's best left under the carpet for a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> but it's the one that would come up to it. It has the one that has to come up because it obviously is the most controversial, but obviously, you know, we can't, like, you know, try and make light of it because what is there to make light of? Kaden... Triple H had a half decent match at the result. <laughs> Maybe. I don't and, know. Well, and he, I don't know if you remember Survivor Series 2007. I think his Survivor Series team, they were on the same Survivor Series team, and Triple H's response when he brought it up again, it was just, uh, sorry about that, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it goes to show, you know, I mean, they sort of acknowledged it, but then just sort of briefly, swiftly moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, are you, uh, have you got any more from your, your massive list? Of- well, I was toying between two. Okay, right. give us your good one. Your best they're, one. They're both good and they're both amazing. Yeah, like, go with, can we go with, let, let's go with two. Yeah, can all right, let's, two? All right, let's fit two. I let's go two. with two. I get two, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, my first one, obviously, we did touch on it earlier, is Billy and Chuck. Ah, uh, the, the sort of, the gay wedding. The, the gay storyline, obviously. What made it controversial was the fact that WWE was actually in sort of cahoots with Glad to create this angle. And obviously, they'd made them believe that, yes, you had two gay characters that were going to get married and they were going to remain Married and gay throughout the remainder of their time in the WWE. Get to the ceremony. Nah, 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 nah. They take everything off and just claim it's a publicity stunt. Um, which... <laughs> Thanks, Ross. Stop <laughs> me in my tracks there. I, know. I don't think you shut the door properly, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, like, they claimed it was all a publicity stunt. Um, and obviously I think that angered a lot. It certainly angered Glad. Because obviously they were made to believe that it was actually going to be legit, genuine, and this is going to be from the remainder of the storyline, but it was all just a farce just to get more viewers in for it. Mm. And my second one 
Um, obviously, it's one of the more recent, well, not even recent, actually, is the AJ Lee Crazy Chick one, okay. where they actually exploited uh, her mental illnesses. Ah. Uh, obviously, I've read this in her book, Crazy is My Superpower. Mm-hmm. By the way, amazing book. Everyone should go and read it. Um, how they actually, they used it. Obviously, they knew that she was suffering from stuff like bipolar and all this sorts of stuff um, to bring it into a storyline. And obviously, I remember reading that it actually did make her uncomfortable for a while. She was bipolar. Yes, uh, yes, she, she, actually, bipolar. she is actually I did bipolar. Actually, I did not know that. I didn't yeah. know that. Right, I knew she had mental health issues, mm-hmm. but I never knew I, she was I bipolar. Even, well, I didn't even know that. But. The only thing that made it better for her is that they actually gave her creative control for that story because at uh-huh. the time it was literally Vince was going, I, she's the crazy chick. CM Punk was obviously getting told to call her the crazy chick. Um, and obviously they say that he digs crazy chicks. It's a bit, it's a bit strange. But yeah. she was given more creative control with it. And again, that's something that I think should remain untouched. Mm-hmm. She was phenomenal in that role. Mm-hmm. She, she, was no, absolute, she, she made it work. because of her creative control. She was, uh, she was absolutely brilliant. But you kind of think if she, if she's actually got that, I mean, what would have happened if she didn't have the creative control? Yeah, exactly. And they would, have, they may have. It's kind of that way. I mean, it's probably. That's, a, a I think. Blessing. I think that's the reason that's like one of the very controversial storylines that actually worked. Because you get ones that work and ones that just are just complete. I think it's it was controversial yeah. in the fact it really picked up on a, a very sort of topic that's heavily stigmatised, like back in the day. But nowadays, not so much because you know people are encouraged to be much more open about mental health, and there's a lot of mental health charities as well. That's uh, that's another thing. So it's something else as well. It, it ties into the obviously in recent years there's been more roles for women in Hollywood, more, like, more substantial roles. Mm-hmm. It tied into the fact that. She was crazy because she got dumped by Daniel Bryan and then she got dumped by CM Punk and then Kane didn't want to be with her. She should have ended up with Kane. Oh, <laughs> she should have ended up with Kane. But it's one of those ones that it's like, it, again, it was like tying in like, oh, this woman's uh, self-esteem and respect is tied to a man. And it was like sort of the the stereotypical woman. Like they were trying to get away from that. A strong, basically, it's like a strong, a woman is only strong if she's with a strong man. Yeah, basically, it was like, Oh well, this this woman needs a boyfriend. If she doesn't have a boyfriend, she's nothing. Like, no, it's nah. it's not the case. Wonder where the phrase "strong, independent yeah. women" came from. You know, on the Billy and Chuck one as well. Obviously, not skipping over too much. Uh, fine bit of makeup work on Eric Bischoff on that. Oh yeah, that, <laughs> that was absolute. I think the reveal part of that is one of the best moments in that era of SmackDown. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, the angle itself was a bit distasteful. But that whole reveal was just. Was, oh, was, I didn't see it coming. Oh, it, it I, would, didn't see, I didn't see it coming. It would have been less insensitive if they just had someone show up and go, "Ha <laughs> gay," <laughs> or Honestly. just crash the wedding in general. Yeah, yeah, it was just it was so like surely, surely if you know that Glad have. <laughs> sorry, you're right. I'm sorry, David. <laughs> David keeps swinging in his chair, and like every two seconds, I just get a kick <laughs> off his knee. I'm like, stop it! <laughs> sorry, sorry. Sit still. Sit. Sit. <laughs> Good talking. Good boy. <laughs> if Sick. you knew someone like Glad, like because WWE had some image problems in the nineties and two thousands with certain storylines, if you knew that uh, an up and coming like, because it was only just started at the time Glad, mm-hmm. that someone like that was backing your like backing your uh, pro- product, like can you get them? Yeah. Uh, that you would say to Billy and Chuck, like, look guys, we're actually going to go through with this, you know, obviously you need to get it with them because also you need to make sure they're comfortable with the angle as well. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, look guys, this is, this is going to happen because we can get really good publicity towards it and we can actually, it opens up a whole new market, you know, because WWE weren't really catering to fans of a gay or bisexual orientation at the time. So like, here, it opens up a new market, you know, you aren't like, f- 
you're a bit flamboyant, but it's not like Goldusky where he's going about touching people up. You know, it's so basically it would have led to a different division and a different market for them. Well, I think you've just defined a level of gay as Goldusky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Goldust, who wasn't actually gay, and that makes him a face. Yeah. And that, that's another thing as well, you know, it's like when you say like Goldust level of gay, you know, he said, you know, uh, going all these, doing this really weird seductive looking stuff. How does that mean, like, how does that constitute as being gay enough, you know? Yeah. You can, I mean, how many of you, how many of us have, like, got gay friends or something? I mean, how many of them are <laughs> as flamboyant as you, are they flamboyant at all? No. Exactly. No, my gay best friend is actually not flamboyant at all, you wouldn't even tell he's exactly. gay. You don't have to be flamboyant to be, you know, gay and stuff, you know what I mean? If you're gay, you're gay, that's it. But uh, it's one of those ones, like, it's a, it's not the person's sexuality, it's the person's personality. Like, yeah. we've, we've got people in this panel right now who are quite loud, Quacko. <laughs> I was thinking more Dave. I was gonna, I thought you were going to say me. Thanks, we've, got pe- we've got people that are annoying. Dave. For that, I'm, turn- <laughs> yeah, For there, that, I'm turning you off. Yeah, I've turned you off. He's, he's, you, he's, he's actually, actually turned, turned you off, yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't. Silence. Uh, no, so it's like a personality trait, you know, some people are quite flamboyant, some people are just, they go about their business, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the same for straight and gay people, or even, you know. It's like, uh, t- take up Darren Young, for example. Yeah. You know, he was, he came out as gay in 2015, I think, yeah. and... <laughs> TMZ just happened to be at the airport when he revealed he was gay. Uh, and he didn't come across as flamboyant in his... Uh, in any of his promos or in the ring at all, you know, he was just him being him. <laughs> yep. That is one of those ones, like, we've got the Golden Lover storyline in Japan where we, Kenny Omega has came out and said he doesn't know his sexual orientation, you know, Kota Bushi's a very private person, he's not revealed what he is. So, like, that could be two wrestlers who are very, very talented, but just happen to be gay. Whereas Darren Young was the definition of boring, good God. Hey, make Darren Young great again. Oh, God's Yay. sake. Which, which coincided with a certain political campaign going on at the same time. <laughs> Just like uh, Stand Up for WWE coincided with a, a Linda McMahon Senate run. That's right, yeah. I the, miss the, Bob Backlund. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was Bob a, as well. That was actually... Um, uh, that was uh, Wrestling Observer Newletter's most disgusting promotional tactic of the year 2010. The uh, Stand Up for WWE yeah. campaign. But yeah, um but yeah, so we're sort of coming into the last sort of fifteen minutes of the show. I've got one more point I'd like to address before we sort of move into final thoughts. Now obviously in this day and age we're blessed to have things like uh the internet and social media flying around and stuff. Do you think um story like compared to back in the day of like the attitude era where things were more sort of laid back and you know anything was was on the table when it came to using specific topics do you think storylines these days are deemed more controversial given the changes in current culture so things like social media might amp up uh stuff that's maybe topically relevant things like you know with uh, alberto del rio jack swagger there's the issue of immigration was brought in that caused quite a bit of controversy with like glenn beck and even zeb Coulter and jack swagger to go out of character just to address the fact that you know, we're doing it for entertainment purposes. That caused a bit of bit of a stir up. Uh, so, do you think in this day and age, like social media plays a factor in what's controversial and what's not? Well, I think obviously there's more awareness now. They they can't get away with as much insensitive stuff. But as we were talking earlier, the Quacku mentioned, you know, it was a controversial one. The nation, uh, the DX dressing up as the nation mm-hmm. in full blackface. You know, Quacku's African and said he found it funny. But then you have the risk of people being offended on behalf of other people. 
who don't find something offensive. Political correctness. Yeah, but there's, you get a lot of these people who it's like, oh, like, say a, a storyline with, you know, someone being portrayed as, you know, black facing up. Mm-hmm. If it's done funny enough and that the people who are black find it funny, mm. then you shouldn't be offended by it. Yeah, you bring up a really good point because that's one thing I hate. I hate people tell me you I should be offended. Should be offended yeah. But at the same time, say if I'm offended by something, mm-hmm. you'll say I, so. I don't like it when people say I shouldn't be offended. By yeah. it. You like you take your own offence in your own way. Yeah, but that's the thing nowadays with your likes of your Facebook and your Twitter. It gives people that type of voice that they wouldn't have had mm-hmm. twenty years ago. And the, the anonymity as well, like you know the the hidden face behind a keyboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's. There's people have told uh, told uh, people on podcasts and bloggers, keyboard warriors, you know. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's, it's a thing. I mean, talking about Southport, there was the ones about World of Warcraft, they type of things, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's that type of thing about apps, so people, you're kind of hi- hidden behind that. So, it's kind of the thing which you're talking about storylines and you're also talking about things like the judging of a match, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we sit in this podcast and we sit in the rest of the main review like, oh, none of us liked AJ Sinski. Uh, AJ could come out going, well, you've never wrestled. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So it's a similar, it's similar in that way. Social media just changed everything mm-hmm. in wrestling, and society, and everything. So mm-hmm. it's storylines and how the things actually wrestle. Yeah. Well, also you obviously you do make a good point as well. But see, see now, everybody is offended by something. Mm-hmm. It is so easy to yeah. be offended by one little thing. It could be the women not getting enough time or their place on the WrestleMania card. Mm-hmm. It could be literally anything. And that's what folk obviously you've got to be careful with because obviously what one person might not be offended by someone else will and also that's when they become very outspoken use social media and obviously it just sort of creates a wee chain of like a wee chain reaction one person it carries on to the next it carries on to the next and before you know it it's completely blown up and they're having to retract and start apologizing i mean you talk about that one with the social media and the women talking about things it's uh I'm quite glad looking at this for your I'm quite glad we didn't get the backlash that we got the year before yeah. because I think that if the women's match deserves to be on the card it should be on the card mm-hmm. it shouldn't just go automatically bump but if they'd put that battle royal on the main card yeah. you know yeah. did that deserve to be on the main card ahead of the likes of uh, well maybe the US title Fatal 4 way but Rusev saved that one you yeah know. Rusev was over and it's like yeah. not, not the male or female battle but royal didn't took, deserve to be on that show if you took any other match out for that just because yeah. It's the women's battle royal, mm-hmm. and that's a controversy in itself, you know. So yeah. it, you're nev- it's hard. You're never going to please anybody. Everybody. Nah. You just need to please mm-hmm. the right the, enough people in the right way. That is as well. So like I was saying about, oh, you should be offended. Well, no, I'm I'm the person that's aimed at, and I'm not offended. It is also good, obviously, uh, social media because it's like, say it was a, a storyline with you know it portrayed gay people negatively. Yeah. And you as a straight man didn't take that. As offensive. You didn't find it offensive, you maybe found, you know, what was said funny. But then you read online, well actually as someone look putting their point across, well, actually as someone in the gay community, it, this is why, you know, it was offensive and you can maybe see their viewpoint and go, actually, yeah, that like if you see it from their viewpoint and yeah. then feel offense to it, that's fine. If someone who is gay comes out and says, No, actually I found that storyline pretty funny, you you aren't allowed to turn around and say to them well, no, actually, you should find that offensive. They don't find it offensive. Yeah, so you could ask on. them. You could maybe just ask them, like, what about it was funny? Yeah, yeah, it's a non-issue. Aye, I mean, on the note of that as well, going back to the battle royal. I mean, you talk about this in a day. Imagine they had that battle royal maybe twenty years ago. Would we have got the same backlash and reaction to the naming after the fabulous Miller, for example? So no, because I think no, without, yeah. without, without social media. We would have had that. It would, would have, that probably it would have, have still been called, named that. It, it would have been named that, and the controversy would have all done. And 
We'll be ah. maybe like in ten years' time, we'll be having the tenth annual fabulous Miller Battle Royal. Yeah. But now we've avoided that, and things have went well. So it has its pros, and it helps prevent controversy as well because people have that voice that they wouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, tw- Twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. A lot of um, a lot of good points. You know, you mentioned the fabulous Mula. You know, if it wasn't for social media, that probably that name would have probably stuck. And. You know, back in the when we looked back on sort of like the eighties and nineties and stuff, a lot more things were accepted back then. You know, people just say, "Oh, that's just the way it is." You know, the wrestling world's a man sport, or you know, the Attitude Era, the women were only good for eye candy, or the the, the pudding matches and stuff like that. Uh, it just goes to show like how far things have changed just because of things like social social media and stuff like that. So. Yeah, I think the important thing is to recognise is that we they recognise the mistakes from the past and they've sort of put it to, to better use as well. So, um, just uh, one more final thought before we sort of wrap things up. Um, what do you guys think is probably the most controversial storyline in wrestling history? So, we'll just I'm just going to go around the panel for this one. I'd like you to think what... It, it could be one you've mentioned already as well. So, what do you think has caused the biggest controversies in wrestling? today well i'm ross i'm going to stick with the one i said earlier but the jose gonzalez stabbing angle yeah because the the that was the start of the decline of wwc in puerto rico mm-hmm. that that's only really been propped up by wwe occasionally like epico and primo and when carlito worked there they let him go over to do big shows <coughs> and sorry sarah's apparently oh, dying in the corner <laughs> she's allergic to you no no <laughs> Uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> moving swiftly on. No, uh, <laughs> they, um, yeah, that was the start of the claim. Like they used a real life tragedy. The fact that that man allegedly murdered someone, and then they tried to turn him into a babyface. Like, no, you should have fired him on the spot. You know, mm-hmm. there was, and then to go as far as having him get stabbed in the same arena in the same locker room where he allegedly killed someone, to again build more sympathy for him. Like, no, I. I I don't care what anyone says about WWE. Katie Vick was a mess, you know. Oklahoma and WCW was a mess. The Sandman getting crucified in a mostly Catholic area of Pittsburgh is a mess, but it's not as tasteless as that because that's as capitalizing on yeah, it's capitalizing murder. on a murder that one of the participants allegedly did. Uh huh. Not what I'm saying allegedly, just to allegedly, yes. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, what do you think's the most controversial angle in terms of being disgusting, Katie Vick? But mm-hmm. there's actually one that. Obviously, I was mentioning it to Stephen. Obviously, it doesn't actually come across as controversial towards the fans. It's controversial that's actually bounced back on the WWE, and it's Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania journey to WrestleMania 30, mm. where they were actually forced to change WrestleMania because of the fans' input. And obviously, they worked that angle in where obviously the invasion came to the ring for the Yes Movement. And obviously, I did read somewhere it was actually the first time that WWE were actually put backed into a corner and forced to actually change WrestleMania and they actually for once gave in to the fans. Mm-hmm. So obviously it wasn't controversial obviously for the fans, obviously they were angry that they weren't going with who they wanted. Obviously back to Robin Reigns, obviously this is what we're getting now. Yeah. Um, maybe they're thinking that something might happen along that way. No, it's not going to happen. It's yeah. not going to happen. Don't make it a thing. Um, so that's what I think is obviously it's just the fact that they got back into a corner and the fans weren't happy to begin with and obviously that's why they're like, right, we can make this work. We've like right. We're going to listen to them. They want they want this guy. We don't want this guy. But we'll we'll see what happens. And what happened? It was probably one of the greatest moments in the past ten years. Easily the best WrestleMania finish for the last five years. I'd say exactly. I think I, Seth Rollins is better. Was, yeah, I would Seth say Seth Rollins, Rollins is better. Seth Rollins is right, well, cashing. Yes. Yeah, might... Seth, Seth Rollins was shock factor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Daniel Bryan's was just feel good. Feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, um, no, I like how you brought up Daniel Bryan there. I think one point that actually brings comes to my mind in that sort of similar context is CM Punk and the pipe bomb. Uh, the pipe bomb. Yeah. 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 Again, you know, it, I love the pipe bomb. It was basically a disgruntled employee lashing out at his employer just for being just a bad company. He or, does it. He gets a push. I do it on the megaphone in Asda and all of a sudden it's Ross could you go to disciplinary <laughs> <laughs> maybe you shouldn't show up for work tomorrow what you actually went on a megaphone and oh, oh, okay. I'd get the tin tack if I'd done that for Christ's sake have you met Ross <laughs> I have now <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> uh, Stephen uh, what do you think is the most See, controversial angle it's hard it depends what you think mo- you're most offended by I mean uh-huh. in wrestling we've had something that kind of offends everything like you got talk about religion. You get McMahon versus God. <laughs> yeah, oh God. You get, <laughs> you, get you, you talk about disgusting. You've got the likes of Katie Vick. You've got DDP stalking. You've got well, I mean, Hayden Reich and Michael Cole. Mohammed Hassan and the terrorist Stracker's angle. Stracker's just actually piped in and said Hayden Reich and Michael Cole there. I knew he would come up with that. <laughs> uh, that is just <laughs> this. This is why we don't let Strike on a life make anymore. Um, this is a poem by Hayden Reich. <laughs> it's called sodomy. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but then. But then you get like in-ring controversy, you get the likes of the Montreal Screwjob and that type of stuff. It, de- yeah. it depends what offends you more. To me, I, I get I don't like the exploitation of death as a thing. Mm-hmm. So as a result of that, I would probably either say the exploitation of Eddie's death or the whole blooming McMahon limousine blowing up thing, actually. I remember that day, that, that night that happened, where, uh, where he faked his own death. And uh, it was literally spread on a spread on the WWE website yeah. is Vince McMahon dies and you're literally sitting there going is he actually dead? because <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, obviously in your teens at this point in time you're, kinda, you're not 100% sure it's like you believe anything you would do it, it was dead. when K-Feb was I mean David you're a lover of K-Feb yeah, you're exactly. the greatest lover of K-Feb I thought I'm, you said K-Feb though Kevin <laughs> do you like K-Feb? are you a fan <laughs> of the John Cena match? no I hate K-Feb <laughs> uh, but yeah it's kind of like K-Feb so you're kind of like is he not? And then obviously it comes out two weeks later going, I'm actually not dead, you know. It's I'm ca- alive, I'm alive. And it, the, I'm the, immortal. The, the, the Vince McMahon, I survived a limo explosion. He's immortal. And we get a certain episode, which I, mean, I don't know if I'll maybe talk about, because I don't think WWE would ever talk about it again. So, yeah, um, mm. yeah, I, would, yeah. I would probably say the Eddie one tops it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paige and Charlotte is quite close after it. Mm. I thought that. It's it a low was, blow. All it took was one line in that. I think the, yeah. because the Eddie one was so soon. Yeah, it was very, very soon. I think the Pop, most popular was also the Reed Flair angle was like years after he died as well, so mm-hmm. it wasn't like immediately capitalizing yeah, on his but death. They, 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 they let Rick know. They didn't let the Charlotte mother, know. Yeah, no, they, no, they let Charlotte know, but they didn't let Rick uh, and Elizabeth. Reed, yeah, they didn't let Elizabeth know who's Reed's mother. So imagine turning in, tuning in to an episode of you know Raw, or tuning in to your favorite TV show, and they capitalize on the death of a, a loved one of yours. Mm. Yeah. That's that's not on. Mm-hmm. Kwaku, uh, I'm kind of been sensing a theme of what you deemed as controversial, but would you say it's the most controversial angle? Not the most controversial, I can't. I would probably have to say, okay, we've we've already talked about it, the Mohammed Hassan angle mm-hmm. is up there. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'll actually donate my time to another Sarah one because she's got the, <laughs> the list of Sarah is running wild right now. Okay. Well, see, I was actually surprised that you did do a throwback to our couples of wrestling show with uh, Mae Young and the Hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't actually do that because that was on my list as well. Because let's just face it, first of all, not believable. And second of all, what? <laughs> <laughs> Give a birth to a hand. The hand is the hand is eighteen now. <laughs> oh, 
the hand can legally drink in this country. Hey, <laughs> hey. Oh. you yeah, just imagine the. Uh, How big a measurement do you want? Two fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Okay. And on that note, uh, we'll uh, we'll wrap things up there. So, thank you to our beloved panel, Stephen, Sarah, Ross, and Kwaku, for giving us some controversial angles on wrestling. If you enjoyed this conversation and you want to keep following the discussion in later weeks, uh, you can follow us at Suplex Retweet uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And if you want to listen to our back catalogue of episodes, we are on and iTunes, Anchor FM, and all other Android podcast sites. If Just you don't, we're going to set Billy Kirkwood on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you've heard his soundbite. You know, he'll... he'll um... I'll set James Ellsworth on you. <laughs> yeah. Duh. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I mentioned a historic show we were going to have in a few weeks, but we've got the host of this historic show. <laughs> I'm going to hit you when so no, you no. say historic one more so, time. Yeah. So I'm going to hand over and actually let the host plug it properly. <laughs> okay. I swear I will hit you if you say historic <laughs> one more time. On you go. Right. Revolutionary. 30th of May. Right. The women of ESSR. We've got myself. We've got Jamie. Jamie's returning to the studio, everybody. We've not seen her in a good wee while. And then we've also got Emily Hayden as well that is joining. Yes. Yeah. Let's not forget about Stacey. I already yeah. said Stacey. You really said didn't. Jamie. You said Jamie. Oh, Stacey, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, Stacey will be joining us, obviously. And the reason that I am wanting to host this show is because I've already said that my possibility of wanting to actually host a quiz, because Days was horrible, <laughs> right? And I think we will all agree, must Days be, was terrible. Must be tell. Justice right? for Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, justice for Nathan, obviously. It's going to be just a general lo- general knowledge quiz, and obviously I will put a poll out on Twitter. Who's better, me or Dave? Please vote me. <laughs> I, I don't think that's needed. <laughs> it's not. It's needed. I, I need this. I need this. So yes, yeah, 30th of May. If anyone else is interested, get in touch and obviously join in. Yes. So yeah. So that's 30th of May. It's the first time historic uh, ever. <laughs> You're doing next. I can't reach you. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, the Sarah's hosting the first ever historic women's only panel on East Sleep uh, Suplex Retweet. for me. And not just that, we've also got an interview with Shotgun Kieran Kelly coming out on Friday, where he talks touring the wrestling scene in Scotland, tournaments, and the Chris Joe Leyden saga, amongst other things. Twirls and look as aid. Twirls and look as aid. David has no idea what we're talking look about. Look as aid and twirls. <laughs> Is that it? Do you even know what we're talking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, next week. Um, Next week's show, we'll be discussing famous wrestling families. However, this Sunday, there's, wait, there's more. This Sunday, we'll be doing a live charity special for Cancer Research UK and Q and Review Print Speaking for the Blind. So be sure to tune in to FusionTakeover.com on Sunday at 6pm. Be sure to take part, donate what you can by by going to justgiving.com forward slash teams forward slash Strathclyde Fusion. They We've have got given us three hours to close off a 36 hour broadcast. Yeah, so <laughs> we'll be on 6pm to 9pm on Sunday where we'll be doing a live charity special for Cancer Research UK and Q&Review Review Print Speaking for the Blind. I guess it was also going to be on that. A quiz! I've yes. got another quiz, yeah. For the belt! Two quizzes in one month. Luigi, you can't make it up. <laughs> Said, uh, send cake to the studio, it's my birthday. Yep, and remember Nobody the cares. that interview with... <laughs> <laughs> I know everyone cared it was my birthday they don't care about yours you're not invited to my birthday the shotgun Kieran Kelly interview will be coming out this Friday as well so stay tuned uh, for that so on all podcasting sites on all podcasting sites yep just search for eat sleep suplex retweet so from from me the host the modern dame high rager David Hotley and my beloved panel I want to say thank you for joining us this week 
and we will see you next week for we discuss famous wrestling families. So, goodbye. Catch you. Bye. Bye. Ta-da.